I want to tell you this morning that you matter. As much as you might think that you don't matter, you matter. You might matter more than you realize. As a matter of fact, you matter to me more than you know that you matter to me. You are irreplaceable. There is no one like you. There is no price I can put on your head. There is no one that can take your place. You are so extremely valuable and you matter. And I want to tell you this morning something that's extremely important. Your value is not determined by the amount you contribute. Your value is in the eye of the beholder. And this morning, I want to talk about value. A few weeks ago, uh, there was a staff meeting that I went to, and uh, I was leaving from the staff meeting, and my mind was reeling. This is not uncommon for me. And my mind just kept going, and I couldn't stop it from just going. And I began to think about the nature of salvation and the the freeness of the salvation that Christ has paid for us. Did you know it's completely and totally free? It costs nothing. God has no membership fees. There is nothing that you, there's not a subscription fee to get into heaven. It's absolutely, totally paid for. It's totally free. And then I began thinking about all the things that we do and all the energy and the time that we spend and the money that we spend as a church to give something away that's totally free. And I started to get personally frustrated. As you might can imagine, I thought, man, why are we spending so much money giving something away that's free? And so I just began wrestling with this internally myself. And I heard the Spirit of God dropped something into my spirit. He said, he said, Nate, when, when you feel God say your name, you know you better listen. And so he said, he said, Nate, I paid the price to save everyone who comes to me. But it's your job to get them there. It's your job to get them there. And I said, oh, okay, all right. And I began wrestling with that. Okay, sure, God, I get it. There's a cost to bringing somebody to you. And I said, but Lord, I think we need to be more effective. We need to be more efficient. I mean, we're spending thousands of dollars to get somebody saved. This is, you know, we need to do, uh, we need to do better with what we're doing here. And uh, I began to, to just stress out about this. And then I said, God, I said, I feel guilty that we're not reaching more souls with the money that we have. I was being honest. Lord, we need to reach more souls with what you've already given us. 
And then I felt God speak to my heart again, and I sat there frozen. He said, go ahead and look at the numbers. When God says, go ahead and look at the numbers, it, it's, uh, is it a threat or is it permission? I'm not sure. But he said, go ahead and look at the numbers. And my analytical self said, um, okay. And so I looked at the numbers and I contacted the staff. I was already in this moment of feeling like guilty before God and, and, and yet trying to figure this process out. I contacted the staff. I said, I said, I need to get, I need to get our salvation numbers. And so a little time went by, and, and I got some answers that I thought were about what I thought they should be. And I'm sitting here with this weight and this concern for the lost, this concern for people and for not reaching people, thinking that I was right. And just being frustrated. My heart was racing when I heard him speak again. What did you find? What did you find? He said, Nate, what is the value of a soul? Oh my gosh. When God says that, how do you answer? He just asked me to look up the numbers. Does he want the numbers or does he want me to say what I know is the right answer? I'm struggling here. God, I don't know. I don't know what answer you want from me. Oh, man. And again, he said, did you think saving a soul would be cheap? He said, souls aren't cheap. They come at a great price. And then he landed this one on me like lightning from heaven. He said, they cost me my life. They cost me my life. You see, only a few moments had passed. But for me, it might as well have been hours standing before the Almighty God or falling on my face rather before God Almighty, feeling like thinking that I was right, but knowing that he had a different perspective. What was the value of a soul? Let me tell you what the value of a soul is this morning. And it's the title of this sermon. The value of a soul is priceless. Because there's no price I can put on your head. There's no price that I can put on the head of somebody who needs to hear the grace and the salvation of their Heavenly Father. There I stood struggling with my own ability to value not only what God has done, but who He's done it for. Feeling like I was right because I was trying to reach some, 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 some effective goal. God doesn't care about effective goals. God cares about you.
We all like to think that we have our values figured out. We know what truly matters to us. We know what's important to us. We might not always get those priorities right, but we can name the things that we think are valuable. Or so we think. We believe that we know what's important to us. We believe we know what we truly put value in. But what do you value? What are the things that capture your attention? Most of us would probably say that we value our family. We value God. We value church. We value faith. We value our friends. We value education. We value freedom. Amen. And the list goes on and on. But I want you to think about something. That our wishful thinking doesn't always line up with reality. What we think we value might not be what we truly value. You know how you can do a self-check test? Look at your schedule. Look at your schedule. What does it say you value? Look at your bank account. Think about it. Look at your bank account. What does it say you value? Do we truly value the things that God values? I love the parable of the sower because it communicates what God's values are contrasted against the hearts of men. It also explains a mystery in a mysterious way, which is always fun. Somebody answers a question with a question and you feel just as lost as when you started. This particular, particular uh, uh, parable is quite a strange parable. You see, even the disciples were confused by this story. Think about it. They're listening to Jesus tell this story about a, a sower who goes out and he throws his seed everywhere. Why is he throwing his seed everywhere? Huh. What in the world... Is Jesus trying to say? So then Jesus kind of explains it. Matthew 13, 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Actually, they probably said it like this. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, Well, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Thanks, God. You're telling us stories so we don't know what's going on. I appreciate that. That's, That's nice. Let me help you get this. 
Let me help you understand what Jesus is trying to say here. The people who come to Jesus get the answer. The people who came to him and said, what does this mean? They got the answer. The people who stayed seated in the crowd never got an answer. When you come to Jesus, you get what Jesus has. When you stay seated in the audience, in the crowd, you get nada, zip, zero, confusion, nothing. Listen. Some of you spend all your time in the crowd and complain about the sermon and never find time to set foot in the altar. When you come to Jesus, you get what Jesus has. When you stay seated, you get nothing. Why is Jesus wasting his time telling everyone of parables just so that no one understands anything? Why does he waste so much energy on all these people, all these different people? And then it hit me. That's exactly the point. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to say. You see, he is the sower who spends his energy on all the different people. Without prejudice, without concern for, 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 for all the little conflicts and little things that are going on that make you feel like you're inadequate or you're not worthy. He spends all of his energy, everything he has, to give all that he has for all of us. You see, he spares no seed. When he casts seed, he spares nothing. He spares no expense. He doesn't hold back. This is his example. Giving all that he has for every possible salvation. And get this, he shares his story with everyone. Not just those that are close to him, but he shares his story to everyone. But it's only those who come to him that really get it. I wonder, did anyone else ask for answers? Did they seek out the truth? Or were they too busy and caught up in the things going on with them that they never approached Jesus to ask what he meant? Were they so overwhelmed with the concerns of life, the things that were, that were going on with them, that they just didn't approach him to ask what he meant or what he had to offer? Did they just stop for a second, listen, and then leave and miss what Jesus had for them? A sower went out to sow, Matthew 13, 7. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up 
and choked them. You see, in our lives, sometimes we are surrounded by thorns. We're surrounded by those things that that pierce into our souls and make us feel worthless. They make us feel like we're not good enough. They make us feel like uh, like we just can't keep going. You know, Paul had a, a thorn. Why do you think he had a thorn? It was a plan of the enemy to shut him down, but he pressed through regardless. You may have a thorn, but I want you to understand something. Jesus desperately wants to save people. No matter where they are in life and no matter what surrounds them or what affects them or what state they are in, Jesus desperately, with all of his might, with all of his energy, with everything that he has, wants to save people from their sin, from their curse, and from the lies of the enemy. Even when they're too busy to stop and value the gift in front of them, he desperately wants to save them. And he sends you, And he sends me into the crowd to bring them to his feet. They're tired. They're overwhelmed. And guess what? They have absolutely no time for God. They have zero time for God. No time for God at all. They're too caught up in the lies, in the things that surround them, in the trap of the enemy. To them, they have no time for God. But for us, we must reach people who have no time for God because God has eternity for them. You see, they think, I have no time. But God says, I have all the time for you. If you just stop, if you just come to me, I would give you what you know, what you don't know that you already have. Listen, the enemy says, you don't have time for God. But John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The enemy says, you have too much to worry about. There's too much going on, too much to worry about. You just need to just, just, just stay here. There's, there's nothing they can do for you. There's, there's, you're never going to get out of this thing. There's too many concerns about life. How are you going to pay your rent? How are you going to pay your electric bill? What are you going to do when you lose your job? What are you going to do when this hits and that hits? And oh, here's a medical bill. And there's this and there's that and all these things. And you just need to keep worrying about it. Just worry about it. You know, God can't help you anyways. Matthew 6.31 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He gets it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The enemy says, you'll never be good enough unless you work harder. You will never attain your value until you work and work and work and climb the ladder and become what you're supposed to become and you keep doing it and doing it and you put in the extra hours and the extra effort and you just got to keep working harder and putting more up and you got to keep building more things. You got to keep doing this. You don't even have time to stop and go to church because you just got to keep, just keep building, keep making value for yourself. But God said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you see? The enemy lies. And he's really good at it. He makes us think that God isn't for us. And those people that are outside of these walls, that church isn't a place for them. But Jesus has every answer. Jesus has everything they need and everything you need and everything I need. We must reach people who have no time for God because God has eternity for them. Whether they think they want him or not, whether they think they need him or not, whether they think they have time for him or not, they desperately need him. Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful, unfruitful. Do you understand the gravity of this situation? Do you really understand the gravity of salvation? The weightiness of it. You see, Jesus desperately wants to pierce through the darkness of this deception. And that is salvation. Salvation pierces through the darkness of deception and reaches the deepest part of your soul and changes you. It changes your perspective. It changes how you see what is going on. And it gives you the power to overcome sin and this world and its curse. Let me ask you, has it pierced your soul? Has it gotten down so deep that it's transformed you and changed how you feel? And how you see the world around you. Now why in the world would you waste your time on people who don't have time for God? 
Why would you waste your time on people who have no time for God at all? You wouldn't unless you had a very good reason. No one would unless they had a very good reason. I want you to imagine with me for a second that you died right now. And you face the other side of eternity. And on one side, you see the glory of heaven. And on the other side, you see the shadows of hell. And you're caught in between this place. Seeing both the greatness of eternity and the worst disaster that has ever befallen anyone ever. Suddenly you're grasped by the shoulders and turned around and Jesus faces you in the eye and he says to you, I'm not done with you yet. I have a mission for you. And suddenly you wake up in the hospital. What is the very first thing you do? You jump out of the hospital bed, go running down the halls, and you tell everybody you can about Jesus. There is no holding you back. You don't care if they want to hear it or not. They're going to hear it from you because something just changed in your life. You just came from back from the dead, and something is different now, and you have a story to tell. Well, let me tell you something. You already have that story. If you have been saved, you have been regenerated. You have been reborn. You were once dead, but now you are alive again, and you have a story to tell. That's the power of meeting Jesus. When you are truly saved, something happens inside of you. You change. You're regenerated. You are reborn, or what we call born again. You're not the same. And there's a vigor and a desire for you to go and tell the next person, hey, you need to experience what I've experienced. You might not want it. You might not think you want it, but let me tell you, You want this. Now, some of you, though you don't feel spiritually alive, matter of fact, you you might say you feel spiritually dead. Some of you, you've walked away from God. You've let yourself wander away. Some of you just feel spiritually drained. Just totally without. And you want that next person to be saved, but you just don't feel like you have anything to give. Some of you need to give him your life. Some of you need to recommit your lives. 
Some of you need the power of the Holy Spirit when you leave this room today. And you need to let the worries and the deceitfulness of riches in this world go. And you need to come to the feet of Jesus this morning. I'd like to invite our altar team and our worship team to make their way to the front this morning. Guys, Easter is just around the corner. And if you don't have it, you can't give it. We are going to see a great harvest on Easter Sunday. First, we need to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Because you can't give it if you don't have it. You see, we need to let the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches go out of our minds and out of our hearts. We need to embrace Jesus this morning. So let me invite everyone to stand with me this morning. Go ahead and stand up. Worship team, I want you to take us into the presence of the throne room in just a minute. I want us to be in the presence of his spirit in just a minute. And I want you to understand something. That you get nothing if you stay in a crowd. You only get something when you come to Jesus. When you come to his feet when you approach him. This morning, I believe that God has been speaking to us and speaking to you. And if you aren't saved this morning, but you want to experience the power of salvation in your life, I want you to make your way out of your chair and out of the crowd and out of the things that surround you. And I want you to come down to one of these altar workers and let them pray with you. Let them bring you some encouragement this morning. Or maybe you have been saved. You can go ahead and come. Maybe you have been saved, but you want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. You need that vigor in your life. That desire, that reminder of the power of his salvation and the things he's done inside of you so that when you leave from this place and you see someone that is caught up in something and has no time for God, you have the vitality, you have the passion to go reach them anyways. I want to invite you to come down to the altar and come spend some time in his presence Come spend some time with Jesus this morning. You don't have to come to one of these altar workers necessarily, but come down to the altar, to the place of His presence. Get out of the crowd, because when you stay in the crowd, you get nothing. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not so much about the, the physical, but it's about, it's about that motion that you're making in the spiritual when you say, you know what, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to go where Jesus wants me to go. I'm going to get involved in in, in in his presence, I'm going to sit at his feet today. Or maybe you are saved. 
maybe you're totally committed to Jesus. Everything in you is totally committed to Jesus. But you know you need more of Him when you leave here today. I want to invite you to please come to the altar this morning. Let's spend some time in His presence so that when we leave from here in a few minutes, we take the presence of Jesus with us. We go and impact the world outside of these doors. Please come. Come this morning. Come down to the altars. Let's experience His grace this morning. Let's spend some time at His feet and let's ask Him to fill us up this morning. Would you come? Would you come this morning? I've never approached Jesus and he didn't change something in me. When you sit at his feet, he makes you more like him. And when you become more like him, you want the next person to become more like him like you did. Because he erases the deception of the enemy. He gives you freedom you didn't know needed this morning I want to challenge you we have Easter coming up I want you to find someone that you think has no time for God and I want you to invite them to Easter I want you to target someone that you think has zero time for God and cast the seed of the word on them invite them to Easter and see what God will do. Because where someone might be surrounded by thorns, Jesus can make those thorns wither. Jesus can make those thorns that seem so real suddenly fall away. I want you this, uh, this week as you leave, ask Jesus, who is it? that I think has no time for God, but you have eternity for. Lead me to them, Lord. Give me the boldness and the passion because they're going to be mean about it. They're probably not going to want to listen to me. But let me just do it anyways because I know what you've done for me. Would you stand with us this morning? Let me pray over us as we dismiss. Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people today, Lord, your church. I ask you, oh God, that you would move in us today, Lord, as we leave out of these doors and into our community. 
that we would take the power of your spirit and the piercing power of your salvation into dark and deceptive places that the enemy has control over. Lord, help us to find those who are so caught up in this deception and help us to pierce through that darkness. Help us to pierce through down to their souls, Lord, with your word. We ask you, O God, today that you would give us the strength, the passion, and the vigor to go out and spread your seed without holding back, just like you did when you gave your very life for them. Jesus, help us to realign our values this morning with your values. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.